Welcome to Pablo Held Investigates. I'm happy to present a special episode of this podcast. This is an audio commentary to my new album Ascent, which was just released on Edition Records. I often enjoy checking out the audio commentaries that directors include in the bonus features of their movies. Listening to them talking about their methods and inspirations while you're watching the movie has always fascinated me and I kept thinking about how great it would be to have something similar in the music field. I know a few examples for that, but I love to have something similar for all my favorite albums. Imagine having an audio commentary to Bitches Brew, A Love Supreme, or Word of Mouth. How great would that be? Anyways, here's my attempt at that. Before I went into the studio to record my commentary, I watched the audio commentaries to The Machinist and Goodfellas, which was a great preparation. I had a great time doing this and I'm already thinking about doing these for each one of my albums. Hope you enjoy this and get some useful background info on how this music came to life. This track, Unlocking Mechanism, is inspired by those moments in computer games and video games where you're stuck uh, in front of a door and you have to solve a riddle to pass through that door. Me and my trio, Robert Landfermann and Jonas Burgwinkel, we very much like to play computer games and actually did that quite a lot when we were on tour together, when we are on tour together. And we really like those moments when, yeah, when you have to solve that riddle to unlock something. And I think when I wrote this tune, I was actually, at that moment, I was playing Dishonored Part 2. And there was a really great, particularly great door that you had to solve a riddle to pass through. And um, yeah, I really like that sense of mystery, not knowing where, what's, what's ahead of you and where you are having to solve a riddle. Um, finding clues and then kind of adding them up to, to see if you can use that in order to pass through something. I think this tune, like with most of my tunes, um, the original idea is not usually the first idea that you hear in this song. The first idea was that ascending figure that you just heard before this solo section here. And that came to me like two years before I actually wrote this song or finished writing this song. I wrote many other songs in between, but I kept this idea until I found the right, you know, circumstance and right environment for it. And um, then I, I was looking for, usually when I start comp to compose, I'm looking for sounds that don't really feel comfortable to me at first, in order to step out of my comfort zone and uh, discover something new. And um, usually these, um, these, these chords or these sounds, these colors, contain some sort of mystery for me that I would want to incorporate into my music eventually. But at first they have to feel un uncomfortable uh, for me. Um, so, um, 
yeah, not dealing with all the stuff that just sounds great to me all the time. The solo section is uh, quite complex. Um, there was the um, idea to just play over the form of the song, but I like if the, the compositional material um, continues in the solo section so that it's just not only soloing over chords. Yeah, Nelson plays over a different section here than me. A section that we have heard in the beginning of the song. And I usually have a, quite a problem with uh, vamps, although I, I think I, it comes very natural to me to write vamps that work. Uh, but I have a problem when something sounds very predictable and very... Uh, where the where your ear rests and you're you're like you know what's about to happen so i usually f try to find stuff that keeps us all on our toes as it does in this van it would feel very comfortable to have a four bar vamp but i added some other bars and uh, added some lengths for us to yeah um, not get give in to that feeling of feeling too comfortable and resting on yeah, what you think works. This little section I always in, envision uh, for a string quartet, at least it's in my mind, it's supposed to be a build-up to that original idea that I started that song with. Here it, here it is. It doesn't end like it used to end before in the song. It finds a different ending, which I really like when something finds a different um, ending out of something that has happened before. Dicadeo. We start actually in the third to last bar the song and now we're in, on the top uh, I like that if you don't start at the beginning all the time um, sort of one of the um, vehicles to disguise the form of the song or the tempo even Dicadeo uh, is a, a creation of my little son Frido and he invented that word, trying to mimic the sounds that Chicken made, who visited uh, the garden of my parents-in-law when we were staying there on holidays. They always used to come through the, through the garden and we were all, you know, very excited to see the chicken. And he was mimicking their, their sound, what they make, which is dicadeo to him. And I, I use this word, or the rhythm as, uh, of that word, as a leitmotif. And you'll, you'll hear it quite a lot in this song.
this section usually makes me think of Bass Desires, a record by Mark Johnson. And we're back to the top. Here we go. <laughs> Little uh, greeting card to my son. In older pieces of mine, I, I usually, you know, put so many notes into my chords, and I got fed up with it, with that, pretty, pretty fast, pretty quickly. <laughs> I think we as pianists usually, that's a sickness. But it also feels so nice to have so many colors. But um, in recent years, I've tried to have to find sounds that are very feel very full and rich to me but actually don't have many many notes so I'm looking for these combinations of intervals that sound rich sound big although they're very small with this song it's really hard to play over that song for us still so we actually just loop the form and see what happens on top of the written material. And now we're already actually in the end vamp. We didn't decide that we would stay there, but it happened. And Nelson and me just fool around a little bit together. from the written material more and more. But now we start to hint a song that's actually next in this order of the city. But <laughs> obviously we didn't know that when we recorded the song. <laughs> but obviously we rehearsed the material quite a lot because some of it is really complicated, so it was on our minds. So remember the next song which is poem number six by my father so this tune is written by my father Peter Held was written in the 80s I think my father is a great piano player and composer that obviously I'm very much influenced by and um, I've actually arranged quite a lot of his songs already for my my bands my trio I actually did an album which I dedicated to my parents. It's called Elders. It came out in 2013, maybe. And uh, on that record, I arranged quite a lot of his pieces already. And for this album, I wanted to do that again. So I picked this one, which is one of my favorites of his also. And usually when I arrange pieces by him, I actually find it distracting if I look at the sheet music. I'd rather actually uh, transcribe it or play it from my memory. And by then already it happens that we, that I arrive at a, a more personal version already. And I just play what I think is the song 
over and over again, over and over again, until I find new colors or new ways of playing it. This song actually was very much rubato in the original and very modal in the beginning. And um, I started playing it and found my own rhythm within it. And, uh, and eventually some chords came underneath it. So it began to take on its own life, which is, I think, pretty natural to the um, relationship of a, of a son and a father. There's obviously so many things that you're admiring and that you're influenced by, but you take them and do your own thing with it without really thinking about it. Okay, now I'm going to take my, my father's courage, but I'm going to leave away his so-and-so. You just um, evolve. And I think that's what happens when, when I'm taking on his music or even taking on somebody else's music. Again, a pretty complex form. It's a bit hard to play over. We're still struggling with it, but uh, we, we enjoy it. <laughs> um, already his um, original song, you can hear pretty clear um, influence by, by guys like Chico Rear. He's a big fan of him. And I think in my version, you can still hear that, but also takes on some other influences as well. And the solo form especially, I have to think about Herbie's actual proof a little bit. It's amazing how Nelson plays over this. By now, actually, I can sing along <laughs> with this record, but uh, with his playing. Um, because, you know, in the process of deciding which take and the sound, the mixing, the mastering, you listen to their stuff quite a lot, so... I just love how he's, how he's playing over that, and the guys too, I mean, Robert Jonas, I mean, nobody can do what they do on stuff like this. And we were really, really struggling with this uh, when we were rehearsing it. Uh, it came to points where we said, oh, we, we can play this. <laughs> but I really wanted to, and I was sure that we would find the right thing. And I think it came to us in the studio. And actually another step came to us one week after the studio date, which is a shame that we didn't record that. <laughs> well, we did, but not in a form that should be shown. Doesn't sound as good. And I really like this version as well. So stuff from another section, putting it as a coda. So when I'm, when I'm uh, arranging stuff like this, I also try to be very, uh, very flexible with the form itself. 
And my only goal is, or my only guideline is, if I'm still serving the song, then I'm doing the right thing. But apart from that, I can I can be free with it. I can be free with the material and and choose which which part I put where. And um, I like that. I like that process. Don't really try to have a lot of rules with it, and then I feel that the creativity is able to flow a little bit more, maybe, just for me. And at the end of this song, you hear the unison line, and um, we incorporate something that is also written in the original sheet music that obviously I looked at, but didn't work a lot with, but the last note is It says in the sheet music of my father, almost not audible. So after having played that unison line, I move to that to that note, push it down without attacking the attacking the uh, the hammer, no, attacking the string with the hammer. So I just push it down and let it ring. And you hear this this little nod to him that I'm following some of his instructions. <laughs> Actually, again, with Four of Spirits, we're starting with the fourth to last bar. It's a pattern, I guess. And top. So the, that first line, da 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 actually came to me on a soundcheck of a recording session in Spain. I was playing with a um, Spanish bass player called Ruben Cales. And sound guy asked me to play something I played this and I immediately wrote it down because yeah it it got my interest wrote it down forgot about it and when I came home I looked into my little notebook and found that line again and started writing a, an answer to it and started then to write an answer to that and an answer to that a very apropos approach. And then I wrote stuff that wasn't, um, or didn't end up in that sequence. Just tried to follow the next idea and follow the next idea and then I noticed, okay, but this has to go somewhere else and this has to be in a different key, this has to be in a different tempo, this has to be only half of it and so on. And I move stuff around a lot, transpose a lot when I compose. Really trust that every idea contains the possibility to have, or to be something that is needed in that piece or is connected to that piece. But usually the first thought isn't to me the best thought. But I feel like the first thought usually contains something that could be the best thought or the best idea. And with this piece, there was a lot of moving around and working on the ideas and really digging deep. This song was actually completed the last, I think, before the recording, very close to the recording. There's actually a video on Instagram where you can see Nelson and me doing a Skype rehearsal of him trying to play that song. 
And I'm so happy that actually a lot of was written, was he was able to cover that all on the guitar on his own. And it sounds beautiful. So I, this is why I don't play the first half of the of the head. So it was written with Nelson in mind, like a lot of the, I mean, quite a lot of the songs, obviously. Such an amazing musician that I'm really, really influenced by. We both share an admiration and, and great love for the music of Olivier Messin. And, and Nelson's quite the expert on a couple of his modes, which is why I incorporated uh, Mode 6 by Messiaen for some of the sections, like this one. And now we're moving out of that mode again, going to the B section, which is in a way a little, a little answer to the A section. Now the, those four bars that served as an intro actually the last four bars of that B section. And we're back to the melody, which is beautifully played by Nelson and greatly accompanied by Robert and Jonas. Is it started out as, as just uh, two voices, no bass notes. Well, this is one note. But that came later. Back in the Messiaen mode. Now we're getting out of it again. So back to the two voices idea that actually sparked the idea for of, of that image that I had in my mind, forest spirits. Creepy spirits roaming through a through a forest. And this figure that I'm playing now used to be a melody somewhere in between the song. Oh. Now you're hearing, um, but now it's in the piano as an accompaniment for another bass and guitar solo. That used to be what we recorded. But then I went on vacation and usually then my mind is getting more and more free. So I got a lot of ideas after we recorded the, the record. And then I thought, usually after wrecks are done, I usually feel like I want to do more with it and I never have the courage to do it because, you know, it's jazz and it should be acoustic and pure. And I always feel bad of, about not doing, going for it. So this time I went for it. And I asked uh, my friend, great singer, Veronika Morsha to sing some spirits for me in that Messiaen mode 6 over the accompaniment of me and over that solo of, of Robert and Nelson. And also after I asked her and really loved what she did, I asked Jeremy Viner, the great reed player from New York, to also incorporate some spirits. And my sound guy, Oliver Bergner, put together a great forest of spirits out of the stuff that they sent me. 
I asked him to incorporate that melody again from Veronica. Alright, this is the title track, Ascend. I wrote a song, actually I didn't write it, it was an improvisation of mine um, during a trio concert. There was a solo moment that I transcribed and made a song out of, which I called Descent, which had a very, you know, descending and dark and um, almost, yeah, it felt like falling down somewhere, climbing down somewhere. Um, that quality and then I wanted to write like a counterpart to that or a, a song that works in the opposite direction Ascent something that's uplifting that's that's always like a big crescendo or like a big accelerando or whatever like a feeling uplifting feeling that, that moves you forward always so I wrote this and my first goal was to have something that Usually, I'm, I'm usually fed up with all the legato and and um, sustaining quality that's in my music. <laughs> I always want to get back uh, away from that and have something more staccato and and, and you know. Tried tried this with that song and I think I accomplished that for three systems and then I was back to the sustaining stuff. But. I guess it's about the process. Not done yet. Yeah, here now we're in a solo section with Nelson and me playing at the same time. I like that when people solo together. I'm very much in influenced by, you know, Miles obviously having multiple layers of improvisation going on at the same time, especially in his later late 60s, early 70s thing. Now we move into a section that wasn't there when we recorded it, but I felt that needed to be something like this. I was experimenting with just recording the uh, sustain of, <laughs> here we go again, sustain. Uh, cut away the attack from, from a chord and just have the, the sustain. Like there's the first track of the Famous Weather Report first album, Make Your Way, where they do exactly that. I wanted to incorporate something similar and played six minutes of chords into my Zoom recorder after the recording at home. Uh, threw away all the chords I didn't like and um, then um, just used the chords that I liked, found an order of them, put them together and then sent him to Oliver Bergner, put together this nice little collage. Now we're in the next part, uh, which I envisioned for Nelson to accompany me, inventing a melody over, over the voicings I wrote for him. And I knew already that this melody should be transcribed and learned by the great Veronika Morsha, who um, did amazing, amazing job with this. I had her in mind when I played that melody, tried to not to have too many jumps. <laughs> but 
she's ama so amazing that, I mean, I could have done anything and she would have been able to sing it, I guess. Robert, Jonas and Nelson recorded the trio accompaniment beforehand and then I wanted to play the melody on top later, which I did, and then gave this to Veronica. When it came to to mixing this album, we found that uh, we sh were better off if we wouldn't use the drums on this part, although we needed a build-up, but we felt that the music itself, through the composed material, and the solo lift already gave, gave the lift up enough. So we needed Robert to again record his bass part because he was very much on the... If we mooted the drums, there was still a lot of drums on the bass mics. So we had him record it again at his vacation through his camera <laughs> and used this for the recording. These are a couple of chords that came to me during the compositional process. One of them I took from a piece by Monpo that I was checking out at the moment, Federico Monpo. I guess it's so disguised that you don't really hear it at first. This is a little workout part meant for Robert and Jonas to stretch out. It's hard to stretch out on that, but they do a great job. Back to a little reminiscence of the first theme material from the A section and to the last part, meant to be a solo part for Nelson. With a melody on top that we never heard when we recorded it. I mean, I wrote it, but I wasn't able to play it because I had to play those chords and Nelson had to play the solo but I knew that Veronica should sing this as well. And the melody, again, represents that uplifting thing, moves upwards all the time. It's funny that the softest instrument plays the solo over the loudest section of the song. I love this solo by Nelson. Actually, I'm so thankful for all of the guys who contributed to this album. My trio guys, Robert and Jonas, Nelson, Veronica, Jeremy Weiner. Just love everything they played on this record. So, it's a gift. Thanks, guys. Zeitzing. Um, this is a tribute to my former producer, longtime producer and great friend. Not former friend, still friend. Uh, great saxophonist and, and producer, Jason Zeitzer from Munich. He produced um, nine of my records that I did for Pirouette Records. I wrote this in his kitchen um, and I did it I wrote this in his kitchen when we were sitting in his kitchen talking, eating and listening to music 
And I had to think of Robert, who told me that sometimes he writes something while he watches a movie. And I never could envision myself doing that because I need to the full intention to do that. Um, but I wanted to try, give it a try. And it really makes me think of Jason and his vibe. And I always have to think, obviously, of about that evening, that hang in his kitchen. And I tried it out the next night when we woke up in the morning, sat on his piano, played it, and we immediately incorporated this tune into his band book of his uh, quartet that I'm uh, lucky to play in. So this is my little tribute to Jason, and I'm happy that I could also take it on onto this record. Yeah, it's, I guess it's very much inspired also by Paul Motion's way of writing. Usually when I write away from the piano, I get into a very unpianistic state, which I like and find very um, liberating, not getting into my habits all the time. So there's only the, the melody twice, and then nothing is set. Everything is free, and I love how, how this went. There's a little spot for Robert and Nelson and Jonas to, to play. I could listen to that for a long time. But evidently I felt the need to play something. Somehow can hear a tempo here, although there's not, although there is no real tempo. I really like how Nelson takes the courage to jump into the trio, um, the trio way of playing. There's no real fear or anything or reluctance just jumps in. And that happened from the very first note we ever played together. Very courageous and, and challenging and very inspiring for us also to get his influence. Also, it's so nice to blend with him also when we play melodies together. I was always very much influenced by guitar players. You know, when I was a kid, I was listening to John McLaughlin a lot because of his great cover of Inner Mounting Flame. Really happy to delve into that um, influence pool with the guitar thing here with Nelson again. Okay, this is one of the songs that I didn't compose but arranged for this record. And actually this the process of arranging this song by Federico Monpo from his Musica Callada song cycle dates back a couple of years. I usually play a lot of his music at home and 
This is one of the songs that I really like. I mean, I love all of the songs. I grew up listening to that uh, that music. And some of this was on my mind for a long time. And I have recorded some of his songs already on previous albums. There's also a video on my Instagram page where I'm, I'm playing this song already. I always used to play it after a while. I played it without the sheet music and started using my own voicings for the chords that I analyzed of the original recording. So actually, there's no color really changed in terms of its its harmonic uh, background of this song until the, there's a vamp that is coming now. This isn't part of the song. Apart from that, we actually play the song pretty much. And I've, I've written a little coda at the end, which I did also on a lot of the songs on our ballad album where we played a lot of classical pieces. And that coda thing is uh, a little uh, sign of admiration for the great Bill Evans who, who really famously wrote a lot of great little codas, just a couple of bars after his rendition of standards. My Foolish Heart has, has one of those, by the way. So I, I like to incorporate stuff like that too. Um, do little coda, uh, like a little tag, um, playing around with the compositional material of the song, just putting a little, another other stamp on it. This is um, a song that wasn't recorded in the, I mean, it was recorded in the studio, but it was recorded in the studio concert that we did after the recording was finished. Did a little changeover during the day, and then at night there was an audience. And that, for this song, it really helped. I mean, it was a great experience to play for those people. But we were still in the recording process, so. Uh, for this song, it actually, it needed the live, um, live vibe, live atmosphere. So we, this is the only song that we took from that con concert. Nelson plays a different guitar on this one. because we needed to amplify it. And it was easier with the Godin guitar that Paul Shigehara kindly gave to us for the recording. Had to give it back though, afterwards. Which is why, you know, this is just, a, it sounds a little bit different than on the other tracks. Also, on the recording, we were all in one room, but for the, uh, I mean, in the concert, we were all in one room, but on the recording, we weren't. Um, the trio was in one room, and the, the guitarist, Nelson <laughs> Veras, uh, he was in another room. Just made more sense for that, for that instrument.
it's just amazing how flexible he is with rhythm and harmony and melody all at the same time. I'm always in awe of that, how he, how he approaches that. How he approaches any situation actually. And it moves the trio into a different direction. And I really like that too. We've been playing together now for 13 years, so it, we're very happy to get different influences from time to time to move us forward and not let us rest on the stuff that we know so well. And it's also great, you know, I love comping for people. So comping, getting to comp for Nelson is really a joy. I think now yeah we're back into the melody Mompo actually said that he didn't really want other people to tell other people how to interpret his music other than people should play it how they hear it which I kind of took as a carte blanche or a justification to do what I do with his music. I, th I hope it still shows that I love it so much, although I changed some of it. Or I do my little spin on it. But I think it can be interesting maybe to compare it to the original version. Obviously you should listen to the recording that he himself plays. I'm very inspired and, and influenced by, uh, by by how he plays it. He has a very distinct way of playing the piano. So right now we're vamping on that little vamp that I invented until we go into that little coda. which reintroduces a little melodic statement from earlier in the piece, but then takes it somewhere else. Just four bars. Here's the, the second classical piece on the recording. This is by Sergei Rachmaninov and it's out of his fourth piano concerto. A little segment from the third movement where the pianist is playing on his own, I think, for most of it. It's only a couple of bars and I 
still remember that time when you know I have been listening to that that piece for a long time but sometimes it takes the 20th listen or something to unlock something new in you or you discover something new so I just rediscovered this this little section I was walking home from a gig and I had to stop the recording I think it was a recording yeah it was the recording by Arturo Benedetti Michelangeli uh, playing that piano concerto it's on the same album actually that Miles Davis and Bill Evans used to listen to before they made Kind of Blue. Yeah. And when I found out that they were listening to that recording, I specifically checked that one out. It became one of my favorite recordings of all time. On one side there's the Ravel piano concerto and the other side is Rachmaninoff's fourth piano concerto. So that section, um, when I came home, I did a little Wow, can't talk anymore. Did a little um, uh, little loop out of that and listened to it for the for most of the day. And then I tried to transcribe that section. And after five bars, I transposed the remaining bars of that section a half step up. And that's all I did to that to that section, and it became a nice song to to improvise on. I think this was one of Robert's most uh, lyrical solos, great greatest solos I've heard from him. I mean, he can do so many different things, but this is an amazing solo. This album is in a way, I feel like, a uh, um, combination of a lot of my different interests and fields I like to explore and stuff that I've done before also in different things. You know, we've done the record where we played classical music. We've done the record where we played music by my father and stuff that reminded me of my parents. We obviously did recordings where we played my own original music. And on, on this record there's also a little standard by Thelonious Monk, which is the next song. So I feel like it brings together a lot of my interests and, and we find a new level for us. Not a new level for everybody obviously, but for us. What a great uh, singable and lyrical melody. It's easy to, to see why Bill Evans and Miles were drawn to, the, to that music.
So this uh, tune is one of the songs, or maybe the only song that Monk himself wrote, but never recorded himself. And was used uh, to great effect by Charlie Parker and a few other guys also as a as a theme, as a closer for their sets when it played live. And I wanted to have something like that too. And I love that song always. So many great versions, obviously Bud Powell and you know, Charlie Parker. It's a nice version by uh, Joe Lovano as well. Um, so I wanted to incorporate that and also as a nod for, you know, my appreciation and admiration of, of the masters of this music. And I really like that, that yeah, that concept of having, having a closer tune. Um, so I think I knew very early on that this song should be the closer for this album as well wasn't really intended to be something where we would improvise on. Um, so what I do at home actually mostly is uh, if I'm not composing or, you know, obviously <laughs> playing with my family, spending time with my family, uh, I'm learning standards, or I'm learning songs, transcribing songs. So I learned this song and played it in different keys, tried to find the what I feel is the basic version of that song. Because we don't have a version of the composer himself, so I've spent some time, you know, with it. And when you really dive, when you really dig deep on something, you really, I think you usually come out as a changed uh, human being afterwards and have a very personal view on it afterwards. And after a while I've started having different ideas about that song. So I kind of took took the melody and took it out of that, that fast tempo vibe and played just chords under it. And uh, I really went for it, taking it somewhere else. And after a while I had an A section that w really worked for me. And then I... Uh, went to the B section that I had transcribed and used this as very fun functional. Obviously this is a song that is based on the famous rhythm changes chord sequence from I Got Rhythm by George Gershwin. And um, the bridge has also a very functional harmonic device, but I also, like I did on the A section, I wanted to take it out of that. There was a moment where I thought I'd just play the, the B section as is, but that was kind of a lazy thought. So I took the melody of the B section, wrote it down, and I think I, I had worked on the A section during the day, so I wanted to keep working on it at night, but I couldn't because my kids were asleep, so I had to do it on the sofa without the piano. Wrote down the melody, and try to envision a second melody underneath that, that were sort of, you know, um, that were sort of uh, intervals that worked together nicely uh, with a kind of a tension and release approach. And uh, 
my only goal or or uh, yeah my my goal was to have the second melody so the supporting melody become the top melody in the um, in the le- later four bars so the first four bars the second melody is underneath uh, but then for the next four bars it becomes the the top melody and um, uh, when I had that um, I tried it out the next day and it sounded nice to me I only had to make a couple of different changes but it was mostly what I had heard in my mind when I wrote it on the sofa but I I was clear that it that wasn't enough so I kind of took those that that two two voice melody and tried to see which of those uh, melodic parts I could sort of put together and then I put together uh, and try to find a bass note for those uh, for those notes. So for the first three notes, I found one bass note, and then for the next three notes, I found one bass note. For the next three notes, I found one bass note, and that became uh, that created um, a rhythmic a rhythmic uh, device that happened underneath it, which wasn't you know I didn't envision it to be like that. It just became that rhythmic figure out of uh, the, the, the node choices I had found for, for the bass part. Didn't hold that three thing all the way through, so I tried to follow all my other ideas. Um, usually when I find a concept, <laughs> I'm pretty fast with breaking that concept again. So, which is why it's, it's also very different than the next four bars of the bridge. And when I arrived at the end of that bridge, um, I sort of felt like I don't want to go back to the first A again, but I still needed to go back to the A. So I felt like the melody wants to be one step higher now, giving a little um, feeling of ascent again, you know. Um, so that last, last C section is in C major, whereas the first A section is in B flat major. So there's a upward motion a little bit. And um, Robert couldn't make the last rehearsals before the uh, before the before the recording, some of the rehearsals. So I rehearsed with Jonas in, in duo. And after a while, we felt like the last two bars would work nicely as a as a vamp for for us to blow on, or for him to blow on, actually, which we did on the recording. And yeah, so we recorded the whole song, and it was really hard because it's super super short, but it has to be perfect in a way. There's no really room for improvisation, and um, I was really pretty precise about what I wanted to, you know, in terms of notes and rhythms and everything. Everything is written down here, especially in the B part. And the B part in particular was something that didn't really work for me so much because I had the assumption of, of that it would work nicely if the piano plays uh, the one of the voices and the guitar plays one of the voices and the bass plays one of the voices. but. That didn't give the blend that I actually wanted or needed 
that those intervals needed for them to work out because it's very fast and uh, the harmony that is implied in those in those now it's a three-part harmony it only works if you hear them combined as one sound like you like I heard it after a while when I was playing it really really slowly at the piano so uh, again I was uh, in my holidays with the family when I had the feeling that I needed some other instrument on this and uh, then I asked um, the great Jeremy Viner who also played on Forest Spirits to contribute clarinets for the whole song so he's playing the melody in the A sections and the C section and he's playing actually all of the notes in the B section so on regular clarinet and also the bass clarinet he's, he's using that and on the C part actually on the last part where Jonas is improvising the last two parts uh, last two bars he's also improvising a little bit so that actually made it all come together for me in terms of the blending and, and the, the implied harmony of the B section so I'm really super happy that um, my mind was free enough in the vacation to to arrive at that idea and then take the courage to, to ask Jeremy to contribute to that and he did a, really did a great job with this and was super fast uh, with with this because we were running up against the deadline and uh, also how um, Oliver Bergner, the sound engineer and, and uh, also Rob Griffin and Harold LaRue who, who mastered the album afterwards they really took out of you know, they all you know, found an amazing sound and made this music uh, sound so much better than it, you know, than it sounded in the beginning and really found a great vibe and, and context for, for this music. <laughs> 